0: Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus, where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, andrew and i were joined by our wonderful colleague laura hossman laura is new to asu this year and she is jointly appointed between the school for the future of innovation and in society and the polytechnic campus where she focuses on engineering education laura talked with us about her solar spell project which is as she will describe a solar-powered rugged self-contained computer in a box where she brings libraries to areas that don't have internet access and don't have ready um, ways to bring information into communities and into educational environments Andrew and I throughout the podcast and after we turned off the recorder imagined a million more applications for Laura to take her work Um, and uh, I'm sure that when you listen to Laura talk about the work that she does you too will be immediately able to think of just myriad ways that Laura's work and technology could be implemented in a lot of environments we talk about uh the khan academy and the brilliance of sal khan uh, who may or may not know that his uh, work is being included in this really valuable initiative we talk about education and the critical importance of effective teachers to deploy any technology. Um, Technology and human interaction is really at the core of many of the things that we think about here. And so we were glad to be able to talk about that with Laura as always before we get on to the podcast i will beg you to please subscribe to the future out loud podcast you can do that on itunes or soundcloud or wherever you find other fine podcasts and while you're in those places please feel free to rate us and maybe even leave a review if you are so moved Please tell your friends about Future Out Loud. And we always like to know what you think. We have heard from a colleague that we didn't know about before in history of science and technology in Sweden, David Nilsson. Thank you very much for reaching out to us we really appreciate it and we look forward to continuing that connection with you david and with all of the davids and all of the other people out there who might think oh wow this would be a great idea for them to talk about or this would be a great person for them to interview and maybe you think that we don't want to hear from you but that would be completely wrong we absolutely want to hear from you uh today tomorrow and right now Thanks for listening. Hey, Laura. Hey, good morning. Good, <laughs> thank good morning. For Andrew.
1: Hi, Heather. You have a cold. I have a cold, so I'm relegated to the corner.
0: All right, so you're not going to sneeze or cough on us at all. I will today. try not to. All right, good. Well, Laura, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. I am so excited to hear what you've been working on. You have a, a library that you carry with you around the world. I do. In fact, I carried it with me today. But it doesn't really lend
2: itself to the radio format. It has um, a face <laughs> for radio, for sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but I will spare you the, the demo, even though you being in the room, it would be fascinating. You know, we can put but sound effects in. in. Listen, yes, 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 the snapping of the right. waterproof box. So <laughs> what it is is a portable, ruggedized, offline, solar digital library. Right. OK, so what do all those words mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Portable. You can carry I with I challenged my students to come up with something that could fit into Peace Corps volunteers' backpacks. Right. There's the portable. Right. So it can fit in your backpack. Okay. Portable, ruggedized, nice. it's waterproof, everything in there has no moving parts. So there's technology in there, but it's all. Um, so so, 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 everything
1: solid. that somebody in the Peace Corps will experience, the library has to be able to experience that as well. You got it. Yes. Exactly. And not
2: just for a week, but right. for a couple of years. Okay. Okay. Right. Wow. Okay. Right. Portable, ruggedized, offline. So it looks, it simulates uh, online experience. You actually feel, I mean, you are surfing a website. So right. it feels like you're online. But we've kept the whole thing offline because the whole... Market, if you will, that we're trying to target is people who don't have internet connectivity and won't get it
0: anytime soon And that is more than half the globe's population Even though we're talking about how everybody's got a cell phone and most people have a smartphone and Africa is the most connected Blah 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 First of all, you don't do most of your working in Africa, right? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yes <laughs> It could happen. I like that. It could like happen.
2: That. There's okay. a lot of demand there But, so, it's true, actually. Cell phones have permeated the globe like no other technology out there. That's that's the fastest spreading technology in the history of humankind. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, we see, fitting a human basic need for communication. Mm -hmm. No question. Yeah. The infrastructure of it, however, to enable communication, is very different than the infrastructure required for Internet connectivity.
0: Okay, how
2: so? You need a whole lot more... Technology, power, um, companies involved, etc. So you can have connectivity the way that we used to think of. Oh, I don't know, texting people and voice mm-hmm. calls, right. even out to the middle of nowhere. So okay, these right. really remote Pacific islands that I work with, they have voice. Right. And I imagine that that's actually also the case for much of Africa. Right. Okay. But if you but go outside, is, yes, it's a different thing, yes. right? And so mm-hmm. and. If you go outside of the capital city by a couple of miles or maybe I should say kilometers to be more global, you don't have data.
1: There's right.
2: And if you had data it was 3G uh-huh. and it drops off. Right. It right. just disappears. Okay. And so but but let me take you back although, you know, to the fact that you don't have the data. Even if you lived in the capital city and have the data, it's expensive right. for you, right? right. Mm-hmm. A comparative amount of your income goes to paying for connectivity. Uh-huh. So, what are you most likely to use the internet for? If this is a scarce resource, mm-hmm. and you might not be aware of all of the benefits, bounties, and goods that the internet has to provide, uh-huh. Facebook.
1: Right, right.
2: <laughs> Facebook yeah. is the internet in most of the places <laughs> right, that I've gone right, right. to, oh. so, and so it really serves it? exactly the same basic need purpose of allowing people to communicate. Right. Yes. With yeah. loved ones mm-hmm. in other places.
1: But yeah. but I'm also thinking that that if Data access is expensive. Mm-hmm. You're seeing this increasing movement towards um, data-heavy content, so the videos, yes. the, the photos. Yes. So then it becomes prohibitively expensive for a lot of people. Yes. Um, far more so than if it was just text-based.
2: Yes. And I'm positive that Google and Facebook are looking into figuring that one out. I know Facebook is looking at hosts, or Google is looking at hosting. Um, server stations or right. uh, oh, yes, server farms or something. Closer yeah. to the Right, so they can actually get, get the stuff there, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But,
1: but your idea is to sort of take content that people want and put it in a self-contained box, effectively, so they have access to that, like an internet in your pocket.
2: Exactly. Except I wouldn't necessarily say content that they want. Okay. I w- <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's educational content. And we hope that it is content that they want, right? right. And we're trying to make it, let's say, as entertaining and Useful as possible, Uh, but it is—it's all educational content. It's all open access, and so my feeling is that when the internet is expensive, basically almost to the point where it's unlimited, you're not going to find people. Searching for educational content right. unless right. it's right. almost unlimited. So you
0: have to put Algebra and Beowulf in a ruggedized box. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> you do. But hopefully
1: with a bit of Harry Potter in there as well. Exactly. Oh, obviously, exactly.
0: obviously. And lots and
2: lots of videos, which they're right. thirsty for because it's too expensive to stream them in most right. places. Yes.
1: Okay,
0: yes. Okay. so you've got the thing in your backpack. Mm-hmm. Like, then what happens? So How do you get it, the stuff? Oh, okay. I was thinking, like, human side.
2: It's We have been partnering with the U.S. Peace Corps volunteers. Okay. They are volunteers across the Pacific, but really across the globe, um, are stationed in schools for two years with a mission of teaching English okay. and using technology where possible and helping train teachers with whatever professionalization skills um, are deemed locally mm-hmm. in demand. And so when I read that on the Peace Corps' website, I sort of had that V8 moment. Why didn't I see them as the perfect partner before? Mm -hmm. Uh Because training teachers has been the hardest part of what I do. If you've never used a library in your life, you don't have a mentality of, checking the facts before you, right. <laughs> I won't say anything about common times, checking the facts, but do we do think <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be a good idea. But also planning your lesson. I mean, do you go somewhere else for authoritative information, and how yes. do you trust that information? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to build those skills as well, but if you just drop off technology, those skills don't get built. Right. So you need a, an interlocutor of sorts to help them get into the mindset of using the library. Yeah. Kids, it's different, but adults, I think that's the case. You've got to have that.
1: So, what really fascinates me about this is you're not only providing the, this sort of independent digital library, but you're actually doing it in a way which is cost effective as well. Yes. So, I'd love for you just to sort of describe the units that you've been building because they're really quite fascinating in terms of how you use different technologies.
2: Yes. And they're quite affordable, too. It was very important that we keep the price down. So this is a quote with free student and faculty labor, which is said tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we can build them for about $175 per unit. And it's a bring your own device model. Okay. So the com- the micro-sized computer that's inside, all of the content is actually preloaded onto a micro SD card. Okay. Mm. There's code on that micro SD card that tells the computer to start up and operate as a server. Uh-huh. So it serves up all of the Im- the library's right. content over okay. a Wi-Fi hotspot.
1: Oh, right. Oh. Now, so you can have multiple connected units you accessing so, the same material. Yes. yes.
2: So it's a bring-your-own-device model. And so since we do find those smartphones out uh-huh. to the middle of nowhere, even though there's no data, yes, we can take advantage of that. So I, wow. I, it's, okay. it,
1: it's a library bomb. You can sort of yes. drop one of these <laughs> in a the community. <laughs> <laughs> And and everybody can <laughs> right. tap into yes. that. I um, well, maybe
0: we can find a little bit better.
1: I know. Yeah,
0: we
2: call it the solar spell, but the library bomb is catching.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, but oh, that yes, they're big problems. Oh, you're <laughs> yes. the library bomb. Yeah. But I love yes. the
1: I love the image of sort of dropping in sort of knowledge yes. into a, into communities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, the
2: so That is department. the idea. So, yes. and that's actually also potentially a shortcoming in terms of who has access to it, right? right. Because kids in the poorest of villages aren't necessarily going to have access to the smartphone, even if it, their parents yes. have one, right? Oh, and okay. so okay. Um, so I have challenged my students this semester to build what I call the solar digital library lab, until we come up with a better term mm-hmm. <laughs> for it. Okay. But basically it's a lab in a suitcase. So mm-hmm. it would be the solar panels, six, five or six tablets, um, a battery to store the power, and then the solar digital library. So okay. you could just wheel it in on a in a pelican case with wheels on it right
1: mm-hmm. right uh, and how much content do you actually get on the micro SD card
2: we have over 10,000 items on there okay. and the content includes everything from climate change info which the Peace Corps volunteers have been extremely grateful to get their hands on because right. they don't have any content or way to talk about that but boy are the people across the Pacific Islands experiencing it and not yeah. necessarily knowing the science behind it Yeah. Um, to math and science, we have all of the Khan Academy videos loaded Oh, right. oh cool. OK. Um, are are you actually textbooks? working
1: with Khan Academy with that? So no. I, so that would seem like a perfect partnership. Yeah.
2: OK. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to pursue that. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Sal Khan's a smart guy. Yes. 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 So what else? Uh,
1: we should send this, by the way, to Sal Khan. Oh, so we to can say,
0: totally so
2: tweet it, work, yeah. yeah. Very. OK. That's yes, right. Let's do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of co- So we're, we've also been um, curating content that's localized for each country that we've gone to. So right. we're in four countries so far um, across the Pacific Islands. I felt like if we can do it in the Pacific, we can do it anywhere because they are truly the most remote. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have the most infrastructural challenges in terms of completely being isolated in the middle of the ocean um, and having very low populations. So mm-hmm. th- there's almost no one else out there doing this type of work in the Pacific Islands it's right. Yeah. nobody works there because the, the population is so, so small so how so.
0: did you come to I mean anybody who's ever seen a globe can like intuitively say ah oh, this is the remote most remote area on mm-hmm. earth um but how did you Laura come to be engaged in the Pacific Islands were you a Peace Corps volunteer no
2: although I really wanted to be one and didn't be one become one um so perhaps I'm living vicariously through mm-hmm. them now. Excellent, whatever it takes. That's right. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the partnership that I have, it's a lesson. I mean, it's, it's a story I tell frequently when I give a presentation. But I don't know that it's that um, earth shattering. So uh, our best partner on the ground is in Chuuk State, which is one of the four federated states of Micronesia, a mm-hmm. country of four states in the northern Pacific, which just means that they're north of the equator by six degrees, and that partner's name is TR, he met my other partner at a conference in Honolulu ten years ago, and I met that person at the conference in Honolulu eight years ago, and somehow we just decided to start working together, but the person in uh, Chuuk, his mission really was to get computers into the schools in his nation state, because um, He actually happens to be an autodidact of Mm -hmm. computers. His dad had one, and this was back in the days of DOS when you could teach yourself computer programming. And he felt that this was very important to get in. So he's been a a steadfast and wonderful uh, partner to have in Chuuk. And after working there for about four years, I had that V8 moment about the Peace Corps volunteers and the Peace Corps being a a fantastic partner to... um, I had been hitting my head against the wall, actually, trying to figure out how can we train teachers when I can only be there for let's say ten days a year. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually a teacher trainer by training, um, and all of the Pacific Islands where I've been so far, there's really no concept of how you would go about training teachers. It would be so expensive, you know. You you really the way that they train teachers right now is to bring them to the capital city for a week and then send them back out to the villages. And I'm pretty sure that's... If there's any training that accompanies technology dispersion Mm -hmm. across the developing world, that's actually generous to get a week of training. But when you send them back... And, and by the way, getting zero training is what motivated me to get into this area in the first place. I'm a teacher. I met so many teachers across the developing world in my studies who were given a tablet and mm-hmm. said, Here, transform how you teach. Start tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Right. And you've never used a laptop or anything before. And okay. so, and of course, it's always to bring policy in met by threats that you will be fired and lose your job if you don't become tech savvy and transform right. teaching. Right, and right. And ah. So students so it, get better test scores. It, it's the
1: antithesis of true educational innovation. Yes. you change for change's sake rather than actually serving a purpose. Exactly. Yes.
2: And unfortunately as I started studying it more and doing my research, I learned that, oh, this is kind of how it goes in the United
0: States 40 years ago, right? So we pioneered that, too. Well, we might be, well, we'll see how the vote goes in uh, six minutes, but uh, we might be getting ready to head right back there.
2: So, um, wow, I lost the train of thought. Sorry. No, I, I lost it with my diversion.
1: I
0: think Betsy DeVos has that effect on people. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but but, I, but you can see the, 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 the line with you sort of seeing a need with these, these communities. Yes, it's a very, very practical need both to provide content and provide the, the ability to use that, that content. Yes. Um, and so I'd love this idea that I, you literally are, it's the, the metaphor in my mind is going into a community with a whole sort of ton of books. Um, and teaching people how to actually extract knowledge and information from those books. Except except that the books are in this little digital device that everybody can access with their own little digital devices. And it's a really powerful image.
0: Now, I have a question. So you, the library that you are... Putting out into the world is obviously curated. It's Mm -hmm. got 10,000 wonderful items Mm -hmm. in it, and that is out of, you know, a world library of a million, Mm -hmm. right? So, how do you choose what to put in there? I mean, I thought, because if I'm thinking about what, you know, if I'm going to try to impart literature to kids in a village in Micronesia. You know, maybe reading Lady Chatterley's Lover is not the most important thing that they're going to do. So how do you make those decisions? (laughs) What
2: a fantastic question. Up to now, it's pretty much been at the discretion of my students and myself. So this is also a student-based project. (laughs) University students have been working on this and helping me build it from its beginning about two years ago. And we are absolutely not the best people in the world to be doing that. However, we may be the only ones doing it, right? And so. Which then makes you the best. Well, (laughs) however, so an ASU Now article ran shortly after I arrived here Mm -hmm. at ASU in September, I I think, of last year. And the folks, the good folks at the library (coughs) here at ASU read that and thought, who are these engineering Uh, folks uh, who (laughs) (laughs) claim that they're making a library and how can we help them? So that was the start of a fantastic partnership awesome. mm-hmm. that ASU Libraries um, initiated and has been so great. Uh, it's been great working with them. We actually brought uh, Laurie McAllister, the University Assistant Librarian, with us to Tonga in mm-hmm. December. That's cool. There's nothing like bringing someone right with you yeah. to see the realities on the ground, and then you, know, you, just, you better understand what right. needs to be done. Right. Right. That is, so And, of course, important. you have more motivation because you've met people. So. Yes,
1: yeah. So I, I have a question about the technology itself. Uh, so I, I'm really aware of when you go to communities like this, you need technology which is fit for purpose rather than falling into the trap of, creating the thing that you want to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you've got this frisson between really basic, say, text-based technologies, as opposed to all the wonderful things you could be doing with Mm -hmm. um, agents like um, Amazon's Alexa and and other things. Yes. How do you have the discipline to provide the communities with what they need and what they want rather than getting carried away with everything technology could do?
2: Well, every time I get a new group of students working on it, there's always that tension that arises because... I work with a whole lot of engineering majors, and they, at the beginning of a project, frequently want to over-engineer right. and mm-hmm. add in all of the things that could be. Yes. Right, right. If I can get them out to the field, they get over that pretty quickly. Right. Right. So I was fortunate enough to bring five of them to Tonga, and they're all on board. So The, the challenge then comes when meeting with, let's say, prospective donors or other mm. people across campus. Who, who see that and immediately, oh, I want to use it for that. Oh, can you add in this? Oh, what if you could connect to the Internet mm-hmm. and do this, that, or the other? And uh, maybe someday we can, but I keep repeating that this is really intended for novice users of mm-hmm. the Internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I've trained teachers who have never used the Internet before in setting up a, an email account. And you that brings it very clear how quick... Hopefully when I tell this story to my students, it also makes it very clear to them. When I was in Haiti, we were trying to set up a room full of teachers with their very first email Mm -hmm. account. Mm -hmm. They all wanted to use yahoo.fr. Okay, so we all surfed to that page, which was already painful. That yahoo suggests an email address for you. Right. Mm So you either accept it or try to change it but mm-hmm. so they all accepted it because they why would we question authority and try to change mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. right and then you have to set up a password mm-hmm. and of course nowadays passwords require numbers oh. mm-hmm. so they're very hard to remember so we passed out pieces of paper so that they would write down not only their email address but the password and nobody did it and we kept insisting no you need to write this down yeah. because you won't remember nobody did it so then in, but that's just the first step, right? Because then you have the security questions which have nothing to do with real life in most of the developing right. world. Right. right? What Who was your high school your mascot? mascot? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. What was the make and model of your first car? <laughs> right. Where did you honeymoon? <laughs> yeah. Right? These people had no street names even. What was right. the name of the street that you grew up on? Wasn't even relevant for them. Because right. there, there are no street it's names in your village. World, right. right? right. Yes. And then you have three of those. And then, <laughs> yeah. so the only one thing that they could all agree on and worked for them was, what was your favorite book? Because they all chose Bible. <laughs> great, <laughs> great. <laughs> but so we finally painfully <laughs> made it through that. And then uh, then you have the, what is it called? The thing at the end of the page that Google makes you show that you're not a robot. Oh, oh yeah, the, the, captcha. the Captcha. Captcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you yes. have to enter a code. Oh no. That, I mean doesn't you can't even read it and then you had to explain to them and this is all being translated between English and Creole, by right. the way. <laughs> it was so they're so none of them are ever going to use those accounts. You right. know and if you don't check your email every day, it fills up with so much spam that it's not even worth it. Right. And if you're on a dial up slow internet yeah. connection, deleting that spam is not even so then
0: how do you even begin to talk about like Nigerian princes? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, this is great, yes, Look, my brother yes. in Nigeria yeah. has
2: four million dollars for me, so that is one reason why there are no password protections on the solar spell. There right. are no okay. um, you can't log in it's just open, and so all of the information does need to be mm-hmm. you know family friendly in every way mm-hmm. culturally relevant and what else does it w- so we constantly talk about how you can't pick up viruses because you're not actually going online right and uh-huh. very importantly. Kids who are using it don't, you know, click on that cute cat picture and suddenly mm-hmm. find themselves on a pornography website. Right, right? right. So it also protects it's in tamed, other yes. ways.
1: Yes. So. Yeah.
0: so is it ju- it only sends information one way. It's Correct. not bi-directional. Correct. Okay, and then do you customize it for every place that you're taking it? That's the
2: dream. We, okay. custo- we have customized it for the Pacific Islands. And so I to see. add in new Pacific Islands doesn't take that much. Okay. However... Um, When we go global, we are going to be needing to customize Mm -hmm. it. And so we're working with the library to come up with more of a template version of our website so that it can be more easily customizable.
0: Okay, And so you have been doing this as part of an an NSF project? Why no. This (laughs) is completely (laughs) and utterly on a shoestring budget. Mm. Excellent. That's how we like to do things. Um, so what, like, how how does one globalize, then, when one is working with a shoestring?
2: I think that it would be really wonderful to uh, get a meeting with, let's say, the people who make decisions at the U.S. Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And So I've asked that of people that I've been meeting at ASU um, who are networkers. Mm-hmm. And I am going around and meeting people at ASU who are the networkers. So I very much hope to...
1: But this seems so ripe for, for really heavy investment, whether that's investment in terms of networks or in mm-hmm. terms of enabling students and, and development, mm-hmm. um, because the fruit are, are so low-hanging. When yes. The way you describe it to the number of communities around the world that are hungry for information yeah. that are just totally outside our sphere when it comes to access to the information we take for granted. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just, while we're talking, I'm, like, I've got a list of, like, three or four more applications that this technology could be very useful Well, for. my
2: initial goal is to get one of these in the hands of every Peace Corps volunteer mm-hmm. yes. around the world as soon as possible. Um, and I think that that is also a low-hanging fruit because yes. we should be mm-hmm. able... Basically, even though all of the Peace Corps volunteers learn their local language, mm-hmm. my impression is most of them do training that's in English. And, sure. and teaching English, yes, it's a very American thing to do, but in point of fact, you actually need it to read, oh, I don't know, 90% of what's on the Internet, right. as yeah. well as go into you know, professional fields, etc. Um, so there are actually a lot of good reasons for people to learn English these days. It's Mm -hmm. the lingua franca, et cetera. So that is, we do need to add local content, and I'm on board with that, and it is the hardest part. But I also am happy to believe that there is a good reason for people to be learning English. Um, So they are my, Peace Corps is my first goal to scale Mm -hmm. this, because they've been out in the field doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. since 1962, I think and they have people already, they are successful at what they're doing. That is the best time to introduce technology is when people are already successful at what they're doing, Yep. and then you add technology as a compliment. Throwing technology over the fence never works. And unfortunately, almost, well, the majority of people who see the solar spell forget about the human dimension and just want to throw technology over the fence. So I'm constantly battling that, you know, instant results, just technology. Yeah, so yeah. important,
1: and so the thing that really strikes me is you're actually now beginning to describe how we teach entrepreneurship, which is largely um, cons- customer and consumer based where you have that discovery period where you mm-hmm. actually find out what somebody wants and you iterate with them, mm-hmm. um, and it works as opposed to just trying to force something on somebody. Mm-hmm.
2: It, it works far more than
1: That's trying right. to force
2: things
0: on people.
1: Yeah. So
0: I have another technical question. As I'm thinking about, ah, oh, how would I go put this in a refugee situation, or how would I put it in the hospital basement in Syria? Um, how do you? So it's all hard pieces. Mm-hmm. So in order to update the material on it, requires a new micro SD card. That's right. That you got okay. it. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so how am call I going to smuggle net. <laughs> more micro SD cards into Aleppo, is what I'm thinking right now. Right. I've, I've gone like five bridges down an unwise road. You have. You have they're, they're fairly small. Yeah. They are fairly small. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: But, it, but that <laughs> raises a really interesting question, because the obvious technical solution is to put a little Wi-Fi module in so you can wirelessly update, but, but then, then you're immediately compromised. Yeah.
0: And, yes. You just invited Pandora to your party. That, <laughs> that's see, right, that, yeah.
1: that's it. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think sort of keeping this isolated actually makes an awful lot of sense. So. Yeah,
2: and I'm glad that you got to that uh, conclusion before I even had to tell my pornography story. So <laughs> <laughs> when I tell the pornography story, the Peace Corps volunteers always get it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, if somebody added anything bad to the library, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the worst of the worst that could be added, I think, right. in their view. But even anything that would be considered you know, culturally not... Yeah. You
1: undermine the whole. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly, and
2: yes. everything they've been working to, you know, assimilate into the culture and yes, yes. for yeah. years. Yeah. So,
1: but so we're, we're looking at, at certain communities with this at the moment, especially through the Peace Corps. But mm-hmm. I can imagine many other communities yes. that would be able to take mm-hmm. advantage of something like yes. this. How far is your thinking extending at the moment? Are you being disciplined enough just to look at the the, the challenge in front of you?
2: Well, the thing that still is an obstacle to me from world domination, right? Mm -hmm. Or getting this out to absolutely every school out there that doesn't have internet Mm -hmm. connectivity. Is that teacher disconnect, right? Yes. If you don't have quality, if you don't have good teaching already, Mm -hmm. you know, is technology the right answer? And 99 times out of 100, it isn't. Right. So there does need to be a human component that accompanies this. Not necessarily everywhere. I mean, there can be great teachers and people who are familiar with using a library etc anywhere you go but frequently chances are they're not there and right. so how do we get a person there and how do I convince funders or whatever that it's not just the technology this is actually technology always needs to be used by human
0: beings right that's right yep right. that's a, exactly right
1: right and certainly I know there's anecdotal evidence there I'm assuming there's also research that indicates that the teacher is by far the most important yes. part mm-hmm. of this, yes. and that if they can use the technology well, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if they can't use the technology well, it's not great. At all. Right. It's worse. Yeah, that's yes. right. Throwing
2: yes. technology at the problem always makes it worse. Yes. yes. So
0: you know, I guess one of the questions is how do you create the evidence to support this hypothesis? Right. How do you science this? And you know, you have to you have to do a study. And then how do you say, ah, oh, good teacher plus technology versus bad teacher plus technology? Like, that's a really hairy, yeah. sort do of a, like do a randomized control trial, right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this,
2: this school gets it with no help, and this school gets it with the yeah. And you tell
1: somebody, you're in the bad teacher category. <laughs> <Exactly>. yes. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: And you got worse. <laughs> yes. Right, right.
0: No, but I think that's a real problem, because at the end of the day, we always want to do evidence-based policy. Right. right. But how can you create the evidence to support this notion that actually teachers are the center of the success of any technology program? So I, actually, yes. I
1: think you can do studies like that relatively easily. So you don't pick your good and bad teachers, but you have a, a large number of teachers and you match the evaluations of the teachers their success their ability in the classroom with changes when you actually introduce yeah technology. but
0: how are you measuring teachers success in the classroom
1: because there are already multiple ways certainly in the states i varies various yeah, but different countries
0: terrible though but there are
1: ways but they well Made, they are terrible, but there are ways in which you can do it. I guess you um, can at so least you've got start make apples with some to benchmarks.
0: apples, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can measure the same stuff at least across people and know that e- even if it, maybe it's a terrible measuring measurement tool, but... At, you know, at least you can start to differentiate. Or if you wanted to,
1: you could come up with uh, another tool, another method of actually measuring ability or success. But the reality is you take a hundred teachers, you're going to have some variability in in how successful, how able they are, Mm -hmm. and then you begin to develop your database. Yeah.
0: How does the Peace Corps do that in terms of, like, do they evaluate the effectiveness of teachers? I don't know. Or is it just like a thank goodness there's somebody teaching a thing.
2: Well, I know that the Peace Corps volunteers give feedback a lot, but I don't know that they're measuring the effectiveness of the Peace Corps volunteers as teachers. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I have, in fact, just on Sunday, sent out a survey to 85 Peace Corps volunteers um, to solicit their feedback on the Solar Spells use. Mm Mm-hmm but that doesn't actually get at the question that you are mm-hmm. interested right. in finding out. So, I mean, we're hoping to improve the solar spell, but I'm not in the position of asking about impact. And so that's where the NSF grant or the USAID grant I, so comes yeah. in so that there's funding to actually carry that out because that is one of the downsides of having done this on a shoestring. Right, right. right. right.
1: There's only so much you can do. So so that actually seems to be a very clear call. You need yeah. sort of money and support for not only developing the system, but evaluating it so we can make it. Okay.
0: And so then yes, as you, you know, embark on world domination, you know that at least you're dominating with something that is evidence based really and yes. good. Yes. 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 All right, well, Laura, I think this is so interesting and I want to hear more as more happens. Great. If you'll come back oh, of course. and join us. All right, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you very much. For more where that came from, including our undergraduate and graduate programs. Check out the School for the Future of Innovation and in Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Mark Van Hare created our music. Anna Lopez is our production assistant. Please subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your friends and let us know what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Future Out Loud.